Hello and welcome to another edition of the Rockies Now podcast. It is episode number 25 of the podcast. My name is Steven. I'm your host and with me is my co-host Tom. Tom, hello and how is your Sunday going? It's pretty good. Had a relaxing weekend and I enjoyed a Rockies series victory down in Miami, so I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely take it. First series win in Miami since uh, 2013. And uh, for those who don't remember or you know it's been a while uh todd helton's last year was 2013 so that kind of takes you back a little bit um yeah i watched the series i thought it was a pretty good series um you know of course miami is kind of struggling right now um but they were able to get the win um a lot of positives to talk about today um and there's a, some negatives but not a, re- a whole lot actually i i thought this weekend um, especially was very positive for the Rockies and a lot of good things happened. And, uh, and we have some news, you know, coming out, you know, some good positive news for the Rockies. So we kind of had a good weekend uh, for the Rockies and as a Rockies fan. So um, to get started, uh, Tom, you can go ahead and talk about your positives uh, about the Rockies series. And, um, and maybe even before that, I, I believe it was the Astro series. You can go ahead and talk about that as well, if you, if you would like, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, uh, I can remember, like, just real quick to your Todd Helton point, I can remember, he is my favorite Rocky, just for the viewers and listeners uh, listening on this, he is my favorite Rocky of all time. I remember him as a te- when I was watching him as a teenager, and uh, I just loved, you know, he was, the thing about him is, I guess we'll do a quick, I'll give a quick thing, him being in 10 years. One thing about him is he wasn't an overly big man, or not an overly, but I was just impressed by his swing, how he swung well for contact for power he played a solid first base and he's one of those rare instances nowadays where you don't where you don't see much anymore he played with one team his whole career and I can remember his last at bat in late September at Dodger Stadium and uh, yeah it's uh, always good to see him back he does uh, work for the Rockies as a I believe a special consultant he's at spring training all the time so yeah it's uh, I do miss him but I'm glad he's uh, I've heard he's enjoying retirement which is good mm-hmm so, but anyway, uh, enough of that. I think we definitely want to talk about the last two series. Now, the one positive is I think against the Astros and Marlins, again, two playoff, I mean, two playoff caliber bound teams of the season and today, the Astros would be in the playoffs and the Marlins would miss by about a half a game. Um, they played competitively. I was, I was pleased, you know, they only, the two losses that they had against the Astros and one against the Marlins, they only lost by one run. So yeah. I, I think it was very impressive. You know, out of the All-Star break, they've won two series. They've tied one, so they haven't lost a series yet, to be to be uh, exact here. They're five and three. Um, you know, I guess the the one, uh, the positive I would take, a couple positives I would take away from the series is um, one player definitely improved his value both in both series. C.J. Crone was two for seven against the Astros and two for five in the series against the uh, Marlins. He had two big home runs in both series. And so I think he's definitely improved his value in terms of the trade market. Randall Gritchick, he, uh, I guess he was, he of course was dealing with some, with an injury. So he was held out uh, for, I believe it was the whole Astro series, but against the Marlins, he went four for 12 where he had one big home run that unfortunately did not mount, help mount to a victory, but he played solid. And I'll, I'll talk about it more as we come to our uh, third segment where we talk about the trade predictions. But overall, in these both these series, I said they played competitively. I was I was pleased with the pitching, especially most of all because you know Astros and Marlins they're two good offensive teams, especially with the Marlins having Louisa Rise in their lineup, who is 
just uh, very tough to eat strikeout, let alone get out in general. Um, but uh, make sure, yeah, but um, that's one thing I would say. I was mostly impressed by the pitching, especially both bullpen days. Um, Gomber, gave, I was very pleased with his start against the Astros in Coors Field. He kept the ball down up until the sixth inning. You know, that's when he ran into some trouble and the Rockies couldn't mount all but two hits to give him some support. So that was an unfortunate one. But yeah, the bullpen days were good, especially um, today in game three against the Marlins. Block, Seabold, Suter, Han, Lawrence, and uh, Johnson did well, just unfortunately uh, lost there at the end and the, at the end of with Johnson gave up a run. But all in all, that's what I was most impressed about. The Rockies playing overall competitively as a team. Nobody, you know, the, uh, the team, I, I'll talk, I'll, I was about to say negative, but I'll save that for our next segment. But yeah, overall, you know, again, they that my underlying one main positive is that they played competitively against two teams that could very well be bound for the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Um, CJ Crone, like he's really hot right now. It's unfortunate, you know, that he's been out the past two games, but uh, yeah, he's been hot. Four home runs, eight RBIs in his last seven games, um, and I, I think you saw it yesterday too. I was. I was like wondering if he got traded because yesterday, right before the game, we were, you know, seeing tweets about, you know, oh, he's not in the lineup or he's been taken out of the lineup. And of course, we saw that earlier. I think it was the last week for Randall Gritchick. And we were like, oh, is, you know, is he going to get traded? And then uh, all of a sudden, it just like, you know, they uh, they do the, the psych card, I guess, or the reverse card, Uno card. But uh, yeah, CJ Crone, I really like to see that from that. And again, it helps his trade value. And um, it doesn't seem too serious, I, I think. They're saying that he should be back in the national series, so that's that's really good news. Um, so yeah, I really like that, right? Like that from CJ Crone. Uh, got, I believe, uh, that home run in game two against the Astros, and then uh, got one in game one um, against the Marlins, uh, which really helped them kind of get get out of the gate offensively. And that game one was really really fun to watch uh, in mm-hmm. terms of offense. They were able to get after uh, uh, Braxton Garrett, I believe, who was pitching for the Marlins that day. And, um, yeah, that was great to see. Um, and one thing that we have seen, especially in the second half so far, which is uh, a, definitely a positive, there's been a lot more power in the lineup, which is mm-hmm. awesome. This is something that we wanted to see uh, basically all year because the first half we we never really saw that. And I think if I counted correctly, we had six we had six home runs in this series in, in Miami, which is kind of shocking. Because looking at the history of the Rockies playing in Miami, the Rockies have not hit well in that ballpark at all in, in their history. And for them to hit six home runs um, and three of them in game one, that's pretty impressive. you got to like that. Um, I think hopefully that's a sign for things to come in the second half of the season, um, especially for the younger players like Nolan Jones and, um, you know, uh, I don't think totally got one. But, uh, you know, pro far, you like that from him. Um, maybe he could get traded as a, as the trade piece, but, um, yeah, there's been a lot more power in the lineup. Um, Peter Lambert, how about him? Mm-hmm. Saul start on Friday against the Marlins through five shutout innings, three strikeouts, one walk. And that's what you want to see. And, and I think he deserves to be a starter. I don't really like Lambert in the pen. I don't think that really fit him very well. He's more of a starter. And I think he has that bulldog mentality on the mound, kind of like Kyle Freeland in many ways. I see some similarities there. Um, and he, he had pretty pretty good control of his pitches. I mean, he got a few strikeouts against, I believe he got one against Alaire, um on a pretty good fastball. 
up in the zone. I really like that from Peter Lambert. And I think, you know, he, he'll probably start. If he's healthy, he'll probably start the rest of the season, which is great because the Rockies, they need starters. And, you know, and I know some people are like, well, we need DFA this guy and that guy. We don't really have many other options, you know, and, and especially, you know, double A and triple A. We're, we're very, very thin. Um, so I, I, I think it's very positive to see Peter, Peter Lambert go out there and start um, very well against the Marlins, against a, like you said, a playoff potential lineup. Um, and then, you know, also, like you mentioned, the bullpen has been pretty rock solid for the Rockies. And, um, and not to mention, I mean, we've been – and I think you mentioned this in the last podcast. It's still shocking to me that through all the injuries the Rockies have gotten, they nearly got a sweep against the, the Marlins in a place where they never played very well. They could have won a series against the Astros, you know, or sweep, whatever. And then they won a series against the Yankees, which is incredible. And this is probably the most injury-prone roster in Rockies history. And it's just like the Rockies are somehow staying afloat with, you know, some of these players that they have. It's pretty incredible. But, yeah, the bullpen has been pretty pretty solid. Um, you know, Pierce Johnson had a hiccup today. But, I mean, you're facing – you know, here's the thing, you know, and I, I got a lot of people saying that, you know, I should talk about this today. And um, I think Pierce Johnson, he wasn't terrible today. I mean, you're facing Luis Arise, who's hitting like 375, I believe, this year, which is insane. I mean, he's one of the best, if not the best hitter in baseball in terms of getting on base, going the other way. I mean, he can basically command wherever he wants to hit it, and he'll do that. And it just so happens that he hits the ball for the walk-off in a place where they didn't have anybody in the outfield. I don't think it's Bud Black's fault. I think they they did the right thing. It's just that Luis Arise is simply not so, – Luis Arise is not going to ground ball right to Alan Trejo or, or whoever who is playing at second. He, he's not going to do that. That's not Arise. And I think I'm fine with – honestly, I'm not, I'm not upset with today's loss. It's just that um, I think you're facing a, a very good top half of the lineup. I mean, you got Soler, Arise, and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, so – Bullpen has been pretty rock solid, um, especially in the Astros series. I like that. I believe it was in game one. Um, and then, of course, today with Ty Block and Connor Siebold, who I thought pitched a couple of good innings there. Um, and then Kyle Friedland, Brennan Rogers, and Tyler, Mc- Tyler Kinley, excuse me, are just days away from returning to the Rockies. And I think that's also a big positive because I think Kyle Friedland, when he got injured, a lot of people were like, uh-oh, here we go again. You know, he's probably going to be out for several months. Um, potential season-ending surgery, perhaps. We don't know. But Kyle Freeland looks like he's going to be coming back very soon, as soon as potentially um, when they get back to course Field uh, to play the athletics. And so that's very good, very, very good to hear for uh, the Rockies fans. And then Brennan Rogers and Tyler, Mc- Tyler Kinley, um, they're currently I still I, – I think they're playing right now in Spokane. Um, I think the game is going on right now. But uh, they should be up very, very soon. So, yeah, a lot of positives over the last week or so. Um, you know, split against the Astros. And, you know, we'll, we'll definitely take a series win against the Marlins. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Um, no, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, I think definitely, of course, the pitching staff has been so far in at post-All-Star break has definitely been, I would say, a catalyst for this Rockies team. They have definitely done their job keeping them in games it's just you know this i'll talk about this a little more in a little bit but it's just the offense has been had a little bit of a rough go ahead out of the break though so but it is there's there are still pos- a lot of positives to be happy to be excited about for this second part this as we come down the stretch here mm-hmm. right 
All right, now let's go into the negatives. Um, and Tom, you can start off with you know some of your negatives that uh, you thought over the last week or so for the Rockies. Well, yeah, as I just commented, I think the big negative, even though, like I said, they play competitively against two playoff caliber teams, I would still say, you know, again, as we both commented, the pitching, whether it's bullpen or starter, have been rocks in you know, you could I think you said it best, rock solid for them and have kept them in games. It's just, you know, I think this offense has really gotten off to a slow start in terms of post all-star break. I mean, the big ones that jump out to me are, you know, oh god, I, I really hate to say this about him because I, I really like his potential as an outfielder, but Brenton Doyle, my goodness, he had no he went 0 for five against the Astros and then one for eight against the Marlins. He did have an RBI against the Marlins, but that was on that was he just he's had a rough go of it so far at post all-star break, especially in the last two series. Uh, Ezekiel Tovar, he had the big triple in the game, in the win against the Astros. However, just he went one for six in the two games, and then he went two for 13 with six strikeouts in the series in Miami. So he's, so he had two, again, big hit though, but outside of that, he had cold, he had a pretty cold two, uh, five straight games there. And then a guy who I'm big on, of course, Michael Taglia, he went one for 10 with two walks, but he had five strikeouts. So he's been rather cold as well. So some of these young guys have had, you know, a rough go of it in the last five games, but you know, it, you know, the thing is, again, they're young. Every, every young player goes through rough stretches. It's all about just sticking through the adversity and trying to find the what's, what is your mental approach or what's your adjustment you need to make to get out of the funk that you're in. Um, so that was, that's definitely a bit of a negative there. And if I go over to a guy who could be a potential trade candidate, but definitely has cooled off his value a little bit, jerks and profile. I mean, he had a big home run in the series against Miami that helped uh, lead to a victory. However, you know, he struggled. Again, in the Astros series, he went one for eight with a strikeout. And against the Marlins, he went four for 13 with three strikeouts. He had the home run, but, you know, nothing, you know, nothing. I'll talk about him a little later in the next segment, but, you know, he was a little bit cold. And then as you, and then the one thing is we saw this is it's, We've talked about this in a previous in our previous episode, but Chris Bryant, you know, it's the way people the pitchers pitch to him is in is inside. But you know, it's just one of those instances where you wish they'd stop throwing right up, wish they'd stop throwing inside, so far inside to where he can, he can get hit in the hand, wrist, forearm, because yeah. you know that's a, again that's the guy who right now we're pay, who is the highest paid player on the team, and you know we need him not just in the lineup, but we need him in the lineup so he can stay healthy and try and get his get that veteran bat to come around and get going, whether it's this season or in future seasons. So again, you know, again, it's been a cold stretch for some of the young guys in terms of the last five games, but you know, if they make the right adjustments and stick and keep their head and keep their heads on straight, I think they'll come they'll bounce out of it and have some good, show some positive signs for the rest of the season. But yeah, again, you know, that's, those are the big negatives. Just the young guys kind of have coming out of the break um, trying to find their rhythm, their momentum to help contribute a little more to the team. That's other than that. That's I don't see any two again to the pitching side. That's been solid. So I don't see any real negatives or anything to be worried about there. Other than of course it being shorthanded, but that's something we don't need to go at length into. But you know, all in all, that's what I think that is just not too concerning because again, done pretty well. The team's done pretty well lately, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Jake Bird. You know, he's my number one negative I have right now. He's been kind of bumpy uh, recently. Um, and I, I think, 
and yesterday, however, you know, he did get the double play to get out of the inning, which was huge. Um, I liked his uh, enthusiasm on the way off the mound. That was great to see. Um, but, yeah, I think Jake Bird, he's kind of, you know, uh, struggling a little bit out of the pen. Um, and then another thing that, I, you know, I think we've all noticed is that the Rockies are striking out at a very high rate right now. Um, very think, true, yeah. And, you know, I think Patrick Saunders tweeted out as well that the Rockies have, uh, would, like, 40 strikeouts in the last – was it this past series, which is uh, not great, right? I mean, it's uh, pretty, pretty, I mean, you know, this this Rockies team, they like to swing. You know, they have a lot of bats that like to hit for power, but it's just that they're not scoring the ball up, you know, and uh, Ryan McMahon is one of those guys, and he's, he's the next guy I have on here. You know, he's hitting under 200 in the last week with 11 strikeouts, plus I think he had two more today. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's not fun. It's frustrating, and uh, yeah, like I you know I want to see this team. I mean, I feel like uh, what was it? Uh, I feel like early in the season there was like a big scoring game, and like you know it felt like hey, this is the offense that I think we could have. It's just that sometimes and usually it doesn't happen for a lot of teams, but sometimes it just doesn't click. And I think this a lot of the guys in the on the on the lineup and the roster are just not clicking right now. And, um, especially with injuries as well. But, um, yeah, you know, I think the Rockies, you know, they were facing some pretty good pitchers. Like today they, they faced a Lazardo, who I believe had like 10 or 11 strikeouts. Uh, pretty incredible. You know, he threw, I believe, was nearly 120 pitches, which is incredible, um, especially nowadays. Um, and and then I think, what was it, yesterday, Johnny Cueto. I know uh, I, I texted you yesterday. I was, I was worried. I was like, man. Cueto might have a chance here because the way he was pitching, it was just like the Rockies were on, they couldn't get a hit off of him. And, uh, you know, fortunately they were. And, and I was kind of surprised that they took him out kind of early. I mean, he was only, at, I believe, at 80 or 81 pitches. And um, and soon enough, the Rockies were able to take advantage of that. And Nolan Jones with that big three-run home run. And I think, uh, you know, that was great for the Rockies. But, yeah, the, the strikeout rate's got to come down. Um, and I think it will. Uh, just that right now, like Tovar and, some guys like that, and even Nolan Jones. Nolan Jones, he's striking out quite a bit in this series. Uh, I think that he needed a little bit better discipline. Of course, Miami's a, a, you know pitching-friendly ballpark. You don't get a lot of offense there. Um, I know a lot of people are wanting to move the fences in there at, at the ballpark. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the Rockies definitely have some work to do in terms of lower, lowering that uh, high strikeout rate. And uh, Ryan McMahon... He just doesn't look comfortable at the play. I, I think, you know, I was looking at his swings, you know, a video of his swings today and yesterday, and his swing looks off. It's, it's not timed correctly. It's late. It's a late swing. Um, he's just not picking the ball up very well. And I think, you know, I think for him, he's got to get back into the cage, start getting some more batting practice before the game, and just, you know, kind of focus on scoring up the ball and trying to get your timing right, which is which is very key, like any other hitter. But, uh you know, again, I, I don't have a whole lot of negatives, but there's just a few in here, and I think the one I would like to see the Rockies improve on before they uh, start a series against the Nationals, uh, which mm-hmm. we'll talk to you about in a second, is to improve that strikeout rate because, uh, you know, and I think, you know, it will be improved because, um, again, we'll talk about it in, in a few minutes about the National Series, but you're going to a, uh, a, a visiting stadium to where you're going to be playing against pitchers that have not done very well. You know, Patrick Corbin, he's – had a little bit of a better year, but you're facing a lot of pitchers that are not pitching very well for the Nationals. The Nationals, like the Rockies, are struggling in terms of pitching this year. 
So maybe the Rockies can take advantage of that. But uh, yeah, uh, those are my negatives. Yeah, and, and to your, yeah, I agree with you, especially having a Ryan McMahon in the last two series in the last five games. He has nine strikeouts, and Nolan Jones also has nine strikeouts. So yeah, but I think just a quick point about that. It's just a, I think the strikeouts are definitely just a sign of their of their youth and their inexperience. Because I think when you're young, in my experience, watching two rebuilds with the White Sox and now with the Rockies, what I've seen from young hitters is you know, they try to prove themselves, and when you try to over approach that to proving yourself, you tend to get anxious and or even over anxious, and that's when you start swinging a little too much because you're pressing and you're trying to impress. So I think that's what a lot of them are doing right now. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's head to segment number three. And in our last podcast, we mentioned how segment number three was going to be for fan questions. Um, we, you know, Tom came up with a really good idea about, you know, doing a segment about, you know, the trade deadline. And that's what we're going to do today. So uh, most likely uh, fan questions are going to be about every week or so. But for today, we're going to do, uh, we're going to talk about the Rockies trade deadline predictions and just around baseball in general. And then, of course, next week we'll be answering more fan questions uh, from you all. So uh, please send us questions on Instagram, Twitter, threads, uh, you name it. Um, please do that, and uh, we'll be more than happy to answer your Rockies questions. So uh, the trade deadline is, I believe, under a week away now. And uh, there's some names I think the Rockies might have a pretty good shot at trading. Uh, the question is, will they trade them? I hope they do. Um, and I think they will. It's just that uh, – you know, you just have to question the front office a little bit, but I think they should be able to make some trades, and I think they have to. Um, so, Tom, give me your thoughts on the Rockies trade deadline preparations and some players you think on the Rockies that uh, could be heading out the door to Colorado and to uh, some postseason teams. Well, the difficulty I think is with their pitching injuries. I don't. I. I don't. The only pitcher I could see. Any GM that is in need of a left-handed of a, of a reliever in general, particularly left-handed, is Brad Hand. You know, he's got a little bit of an inflated ERA, but I think that's something that I think GM, when a GM of a contender who needs bullpen help is looking at his track record and his performance, not just in the regular season but the playoffs, I think that's what they'll ultimately be making the trade for, knowing that he's a veteran with the experience. I could see him getting moved. Um, there's a couple of places I could. Well, actually, there's really many different places I could see any. You know, there's there's the famous saying, there's no such thing as having too many arms. So my crazy prediction is that I think the Phillies bring him back. I think Dave Dombrowski would call Bill Schmidt and say, hey, uh, well, give me give me Brad Hand again. You know, I, they had him last year. He had a good – he performed well for them in the playoffs and their run toward the World Series. That's one. Um, two other Rockies I could think seeing going is C.J. Crone. You know, he, I, uh, to your point, I, when I saw that he was scratched and they put out a new lineup the other day, I thought he got traded too, but I guess not so much yet. I know he's been dealing with an injury this whole year and he, um, I think hopefully it's not too bad to the point where he still has some value. Uh, my team prediction is the Padres. And, uh, you know, I say that because they're, I know they're kind of out of it, but I think they have a history of kind of just, because I don't think they're just going to wave the white flag. I think they'll either make small, tiny additions or stand pat. They gave away a lot of their farm system last year to the Nationals in trading for Juan Soto. But uh, I don't know if a team is going to make a trade for the, to the Padres to acquire Juan Soto. So I think the Padres are going to stick, stay pat and just kind of make one, two little additions here and make a run, maybe try and make a wild card spot. 
So that's my prediction for Chrome. And then for Gritchick, he's going to two teams, I think, that need outfield help. One is the Yankees uh, with Judge, I think, very well could be out for the year. Um, and Stanton, you know, he's been banged up and he's had a struggle at the plate a little bit. I think the Yankees could use a defense, a guy who is a good defensive outfielder, provide some contact help like Randall Gritchick. Because, um, you know, they still haven't done anything much to replace Brett Gardner after he left. And uh, another team I think that Grisha could be on the move to, I think, is the Brewers. You know, Yelich is having a, a good year, but I know that they could use some depth help, some help in the outfield, whether Grisha does make his way as, a, as one of the everyday outfielders or serves as the fourth outfielder. I think it's a good fit for him. So uh, those are my predictions for the Rockies specifically. As far as the rest of MLB, we, I, I'll let you go ahead with your Rockies predictions before I talk about what I think is going to go on with the rest of baseball. For CJ Crone, I was thinking about this last night, and uh, yeah, there's a couple teams. The Padres are really interesting, and, and I I, re- I I like that one. I, I like the Padres because, you know, in terms of pop and their power, they've had almost no power in their infield this year. You know, you do have he's there, but he's playing right field, I believe. Um, <laughs> yes, correct. He is. Yeah. And so, and then, of course, you have Hanson Kim, who is pretty impressive defensively, might even win a gold glove this year at that position. But, yeah, like, they've had no power in their infield, which is kind of odd considering the guys that are in their infield. But, uh, yeah, I think the Padres would be a a, a team. But uh, for me, I have two teams. Uh, Number one for C.J. Crone is the Phillies. I think, uh, you know, originally a lot of people were like, well, maybe Goldschmidt is going to Philadelphia, but I think – it's pretty set in stone that uh, that the Cardinals are not moving Goldie or Arenado. So I, I would imagine that the Phillies would be like, you know what? Why not get CJ Crone? I think he looks, I think he would fit well in that ballpark at Citizens Bank Field or Park, whatever. Uh, uh, I think it's Field. Um, but yeah, I, I think he would look good in a Phillies uniform. I think he would profile well in that ballpark. Um, number two, I, I I could see the Twins calling you know, uh, calling the Rockies and saying, Hey, we like CJ Crone. We had him uh, a few years ago. Um, we feel like we kind of didn't do the right thing by bringing him back. So, you know, we'll get another shot at him because I think the twins, they're going to make a, a, a pretty good push here. I know they're playing a little bit better. I think they got a sweep if I'm not uh, mistaken against the white Sox this weekend. So those are my two teams. So I have the Phillies and the twins for CJ Crone for Randall Gritchick, I think you uh, nailed it on the head for me. I think, uh, yeah, I have Gritchick going to the Yankees or the Brewers because, you know, the Brewers, you know, they're having a, uh, a pretty good season. Um, Yelich is having a bounce back year, which is great to see because I know for a number of years, especially recently, you know, Yelich has had not so good years and, you know, they have him on that big contract that they signed a while ago. So, yeah, I think the Brewers would be a, definitely a, a good for, fit for him. Um, and then the Yankees, like you said, you know, Judge might be out for the year um, or at least until later in the season. And then Stanton, you know, he's, you know, he's been hitting well recently. But uh, the Yankees, if you look at their OPS, is among the worst in baseball, I think, this year, at least recently. Um, you know, you know, and Harrison Bader, I believe he's injured right now. Um, Aaron Hicks, he was released to the Orioles. So, uh, and yeah, like a bunch of the other guys are bench players, right, on the Yankees that are just filling up spots. And um, I think they they need a uh, impact middle of the order left fielder, and that's Randall Gritchick. And I think Randall Gritchick profiles well with the Yankees, and and only that. But uh, right now he's clean shaven, so why not send uh, <laughs> Randall Gritchick to the Yankees? So I think that would work. And then uh, if there's anybody else, you know, pitcher, 
you know, I know recently, um, I think one of the Rockies writers said that the Rockies are interested or, or they're thinking about bringing back Brent Suter, which I ought to be on board with it just because the Rockies, I think, would need at least one or two veteran pitchers. And I think Brent Suter would – I'd be okay bringing back Brent Suter. But I think Brad Hand, it just – it would make sense for Brad Hand to go just because it's just like that contract. I, I, I firmly believe that he's probably going to get traded. I don't think the Rockies are just going to keep him on the roster until the end of the year and just let him go. I think they're going to trade him. Um I'm trying to look at some teams here. I'm on the athletic and looking at, I think the Red Sox, I think the Red Sox would be a good team for Brad hand. Um, mm-hmm. Phillies would be one, but I think the Red Sox, they need starting pitching and relief pitching as well. So, um, you know, they're, they're, it's kind of crazy because, you know, the Red Sox, you know, a lot of people were like kind of down on them because they had a lot of injuries coming into the season. But, uh, but one thing that they do need, like I said, they need pitching. Their ERA is not very good this year. Um, and I'm reading right now on the athletic that they don't have a pitcher with seven or more starts who has an ERA under 4.35, which is, uh, quite interesting, especially coming from Boston where, you know, it's a pitcher's ball ballpark, but, uh, and Chris Sale, you know, of course he's done for the season with that soldier, soldier injury, but, uh, yeah, like I, I think right hand would fit well in Boston. I think, uh, they could definitely use a bullpen arm that, uh, might help them get to a wild card spot and, uh, yeah, so those are my Rockets predictions, and then uh, I guess we'll head right on into different players around the league that are, uh, you know, on the on the top of the list, wish list, if you want to call it that, for uh, for some trades. And I guess we'll start off with Shohei Otani. Tom, you can start off with Shohei. Um, well, sure. If you don't, <clears throat> well, I guess uh, real quick, I want to just make a definitely give a shout out to a great trade that's worked deadline pre-deadline trade that's worked out so far, which is a role this Chapman to the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be him going to the Royals is a one-year prove-it deal kind of thing. And I knew he would get traded if he pitched well. He seems to be back to his triple digits. That's a trade that has worked out great for them so far. But uh, now to the ones that I think will happen, or actually will or whether they will or won't happen, I should say, because Shohei, oh my goodness, this is, you know, because uh, I've, I've thought about this and I've read so many opinions of other people who what they think, and I'm trying to formulate my own opinion. I've gone, it's to me, the way I see it is it's such a difficult situation because you have arguably the man who is going, who could very well go down as the greatest baseball player to ever live on your team. Mm-hmm. And you're in a difficult situation where, you know, the, the angels had a pretty good start to the season. You know, they were winning, uh, as of right now, they're 51-49, so they're above 500, which is better than, than they've done in previous years with Shohei and Mike Trout on their team. They're only eight games back of Texas, the Rangers, for the first place, and they're only four games out from the last wild card spot. So it's difficult because you're not in a bad position, but I don't know what – I guess I don't know what specific – what in terms of where – what um, – what Artie Moreno, the owner, is going to let Paramanese and the GM do in terms of buying or selling? Because from what I understand, and again, I don't, I don't pretend to know anybody like I'm like I'm their best friend. But from what I know of Artie Moreno, he you know he tried to sell the team, didn't get the offer that he wanted, so he decided I'm not going to sell the team. And from what I know, he's got just like any billionaire has a bit of an ego, and I've heard that he does it. A lot of people say he doesn't want to be the guy who traded the greatest baseball player ever. But however, 
if you're confident that you can put the best offer forward to re-sign him in the offseason, then why not do a trade and sign? I'll give you an example like a, of a man I just talked about, Aroldis Chapman. 2016, the Yankees traded into the Cubs, got four players, one of which is still a everyday player in their team in Gleyber Torres. And then they brought him right back to the Bronx with a new deal in the offseason. So my opinion is, if you think you can do that, if you're confident you can put forth the best offer that you think will get Shohei back in an Angels uniform and then build around him and Trout and tr make a big run with the two, arguably the two greatest players ever to play baseball, then I do it. Mm -hmm. Then what that problem is, to what extent does Perimanesian have as the asking price? Because um, it's a really tricky one because you could arguably one of the best hitters and arguably the best starting pitcher in the game combine two into one player. Right. So that's a tricky, that's a really tricky, um, that's a really tricky negotiation. You know, do you hold firm at your price? Do you settle a little bit if a team, if some teams go a little lower than what your asking price is? And a, this is just, again, I don't pretend to, I don't profess myself to be a baseball executive expert when it comes to trades, but the way I see it, um, a former baseball executive for, uh, for a podcast that I listened to put this, this, put out this as the starting point of the conversation. And I think it's a pretty good one. It's four players, two of which are players on the everyday roster who are on the current 26-man roster, and then two prospects in the top 30. I think that's the starting point for conversations for Shohei Otani. That's my personal thing. Now, do I now to my final prediction? Do I think he'll get traded? I don't think he will. It's crazy that I think that, but I just don't see any offer appeasing the owner Artie Moreno to greenlight the trade to be made. That's what I personally think, and I think it's a tough deal to make at the deadline, especially when he's only going to be on your team the team he's traded to for two, three months. So that's my personal prediction. I don't think difficult situation. I don't think he'll get traded. So, well, I, I'll, it's a big, it's a big one. So what's your, I guess, uh, what's your take on, on, on the situation? I, I think I'm going to agree with you. I don't see him getting traded, you know, and you brought up a good point that, you know, and even, you know, almost everywhere they're talking about how you don't want to be the owner that trades perhaps one of the best, athletes ever on the history of the planet right i mean you just mm -hmm. you're gonna get a lot of pressure and even if you do you have to at least get you know top notch prospects i mean not to mention you know if the angels are trying to compete sometime soon um i don't think they're gonna tear down by any means right now you know you've got to get some pitching prospects in there for shohei because shohei is arguably your best pitcher i mean he's your ace right so you have to get ace potential prospects or you know triple a or even major league pitches already from that team you're trading to but i mean shohei is so huge in that city in los angeles he's you know the cover athlete for a lot of people and i think trading him would just be almost damaging to that franchise. If, 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 if you want to call it that, you know, it wouldn't be a necessarily rebuild, but I mean, you, you cannot pull trout. I mean, you can't pull Otani from trout. I mean, those are the two, arguably the two best players in baseball. And mm -hmm. I think if you do that, it's just, 
there's a lot of complexity to it. Um, it's pretty tricky looking at the uh, Otani situation in uh, in L.A. I know he's mentioned before that he wants to win, and I know L.A. hasn't done a lot of winning, especially in Anaheim. Um, and I think, and I, I honestly, I, I really do hope that the Angels make the playoffs this year because mm-hmm. Trout deserves it. And that's crazy too, like Tom, that the Angels have only made the playoffs one time in Mike Trout's career. One time. That's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible. It's just that, you know, of course, you know, the, you know, a lot of Angels fans, they're probably upset because, you know, right when the uh, uh, Astros came to town, they were starting to kind of get good. And, you know, the, I believe the, it was a 2014 when the Angels made the playoffs. And that was just a couple of years after the Astros moved from the National League to the, to the American League. But, yeah, just but to, to you know, say the point, I don't think he's going to get traded. Uh, again, it's possible, but I, I just feel like it wouldn't make sense. And I think, I mean, I, I feel like a domino is going to have to fall if he's going to get traded, and I don't think it will um, because there hasn't been, like, because I remember last year when Soto was basically the number one guy off the trade market, it was the conversations were already starting in like spring training, right? And mm-hmm. and Otani, not as much. And I feel like people kind of know, um, you know, and actually, you know, I'm looking at different websites and Otani's not even on there, like for trade deadline candidates, because I think people are figuring out, you know what, it would take a lot of, I mean, you're again, talking about arguably the best player right now in, in baseball and, and, and in American sports. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to, I think my prediction is that he will stay with the angels. And I think the angels are going to try to add for the postseason. Will they make the postseason? That's a conversation for another time. But um, yeah, I agree that I think he's going to stay um, in LA and I think LA might, and, and, you know, of course I'm going to go off the grid a little bit here just for a minute, but Mike Moustakis, man, I mean, he, I think he got another home run yesterday or the day before he's been ever since the trade from the Rockies, Mike Moustakis has hit very well. Um, I don't have the stats. However, I could look up um, the stats right here. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Angels fans, I really hope that you guys make the playoffs this year. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's kind of complicated. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that's just like you never know. But, I, I, I yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he's going to get traded. Well, to your point about – Mustakas, he's only played 18 games for the Angels. His slash line is 227, 282. He's slugging 455 for a 736 OPS. His OPS plus is just under league average at 97. He does have five home runs for them with 11, to complement with 11 RBIs. So he's, I guess you'd say contributing. Probably yeah. not, obviously, given the fact that he's 34 years old. He's not the Kansas City Mike Mustakas, but he's making an impact for him. He's contributing. Um, but yeah, to your point. But to your point about the Angel situation, about their team, and people, I know I saw the same thing that you were talking about. There was a possible rebuild. They can, they've got too much money tied up in, in a number of players to rebuild. They do. They just can't. I mean, you got as much money you're tied up with Trout and bad money that you tied up with Rendon, and not as much money tied up in a couple other guys. It's just, it's a really tricky situation. You have to keep trying to put together a winning product year after year after year. You can't, with the money that you've committed to certain guys, especially if you do re-sign Otani, you can't afford to just tear it down and do a wholesale rebuild for it. So, and just again, to my earlier comment, they're not out of it. You know, when you look at the stains, like I said, they're, they're only four games back of, the last of the final wildcard spot, which is currently held by the Toronto Blue Jays. The only two teams between the Blue Jays and them is the Red Sox and the Yankees. 
so yeah, again, tricky. They're not in a bad spot, but again, it's it's a really difficult from my from what I see, it's a difficult trade to navigate at the trade deadline. You know, I was surprised that the Juan Soto deal got worked out at the trade deadline because it could be seen just as tricky because again, high profile player, especially given he had much more time, a couple more years of control of team control left, whereas Otani is a free agent at the end of the season. So yeah, I don't think he'll get traded. But again, as the when the offseason comes, you and I will talk more with our to our listeners about what we think, where we think will go, possible how much he'll sign for, what his his future plans could be, because I don't think he could be a he could do both start and hit forever. Maybe he could be, I think maybe could he could be converted to a closer in the latter years of his career. But again, we'll talk about that later. But the bottom line is if he gets traded, oh boy, that's I can't I would be, I would be, I just can't wait to see the haul that the Angels would get yeah. for him. I mean, you're talking a historic trade, like historic. Agreed. Uh, Very true. Yeah. Um, of course, we're not going to go through all the players on the list, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. there's a couple more players I want to talk about um, that are pretty sure, huge. Um, Max Scherzer, that's because the Mets, and here's the thing, um, the Mets, you know, kind of like the Padres, we kind of don't know what they're going to do. They've kind of hinted selling, but we know Uncle Steve is going to, you know, kind of do his thing and try to work out a way for the Mets. And I think the Mets have actually, you know, the standings here, the Mets have actually, uh, they're negative in run differential, negative 12. So that's not good. Um, they're playing right now in, I believe in Boston, they're 50, 46 and 52, um, seven games back in the wild card. I feel like the Mets are going to buy, but I don't think they're going to buy much. And is Max Scherzer going to go? All right. We are back. Uh, Sorry about the uh, connection there, Tom. Uh, I don't know why it happened. It just popped up. Uh, bad connection. So uh, good thing we're back. <laughs> no, no worries. Those things happen. Technical difficulties yeah. happen. <laughs> but anyways, uh, back to where we were. I think we were uh, about to talk about uh, Max Scherzer, I believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we are talking about Shohei Otani. So Max Scherzer, um, I guess, Tom, you can start off with Max Scherzer. Your thoughts on him and, you know, if you think he's going to get traded and where do you think he could get traded if he's traded? So uh, I'll go off with you. Well, Max is a tricky situation because he is one of those guys who does, again, when he signed, I was, wow, that's an interesting contract because he had so many clauses in it, one of which is the full no trade clause. And knowing Max from what I've seen him, know of him as a player, he's a competitor. He's, I think Bryce Harper made a funny little anecdote about him. Actually, two little things about him is, uh, when you face him on the mound, he's like sometimes it looks like he's foaming at the mouth, where he's kind of just in the zone. He's hardcore, laser focused. And then somebody asked him, "Which you look? Which eye do you look at him at? The brown or the blue eye?" And he said, "Oh, the brown." And Harper is joking. He said, "Ha, the brown eye." Yeah. So M- Max, even though how do I say this, he has had a up and down tenure with the Mets. You know, he's had some injuries here and there. He had that sticky stuff situation argument with the umpire where he's, you know, multiple times you can lip read and see, it's just, it's just rosin and sweat. Uh, but I mean, the thing is like you pointed out the Mets, just like the Padres are not well out of a wild card spot. Padres are six games out. The Mets are seven games out. The thing is, it's just that both teams have such, so much money tied into their rosters that you would think, even though they've been two, I guess the two biggest disappointments in baseball, 
you can't see them both not trying to see if they can salvage just at least get a wild card spot. So do I think Max will get traded? It's, that's another tricky thing. Honestly, I'm going to make a bold prediction and say no. I think the I think he if he gets asked by the Mets front office, hey, we want to trade you to this place, we want to trade you to that place, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, whichever. I think he's going to, there's not a situation he wants to get moved to, or at least that I personally think to which he would say yes. The only one I think I could see it and call me crazy, um, thinking he could get reunited with his old teammate. I could see maybe him saying yes to the Phillies because it's a big market team. It's got a lot of star power behind it, especially with guys like Harper, Turner, and you got Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler in that rotation. And the Phillies are only half a game out of the of the third wild card spot. So I think he doesn't get traded. If he does, uh, my bold prediction is the Phillies. Okay, yeah. Um I I'm gonna agree with you again um, on Scherzer. Uh I I because like the Mets, like I was I think right before we cut off, I think I was mentioning about uh Uncle Steve. I I don't think Uncle Steve is gonna lose uh Max just because in, in some ways, he's his like he's their ace. Uh, of course, you know Justin Verlander is there as well. Um, but you know the Mets, they're going to push. I think they're going to push. Padres, I I don't, you know, I don't think I don't, I don't see them in the playoffs. But I do think that the Padres also will make a push. But um, there's a lot of teams here that are just like question marks. You're like kind of not sure. They're kind of like close to 500. Kind of not so, you know, close. But uh, I mean, um, yeah, I mean. Like I'm looking on CBS.com right now, and they have him potentially going to the Rangers, Astros, or Diamondbacks, and that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I would like to see him. Um, it would be fun. Well, maybe not like to see him, but it would be fun to see him back with the D-backs. However, as a Rockies fan, I wouldn't like that um, because he's had a pretty good history against the Rockies. Um, but yeah, I, I think if the season was like lost for the for the Mets, if they were just like terrible. You know, I, I think they would, you know, for sure, I think they would move him. But I think with where they're at right now in the season, I think they're probably going to be like, hey, you know what? We feel like we might have a chance to make a run at it, you know. And, you know, you take a look at the Cardinals in uh, 2021, you know, and they made, I, I believe, was it like 17 straight wins or something like that? And they were able mm-hmm. to get in the wild card. So, you know, I think there's some teams out there that are like, you know what? We have a shot. We feel like we have a shot. And I think the, the match would fit there perfectly. Um and even if, you know, the Mets don't make the playoffs, I think they are uh, intending to compete next year and to and perhaps they might try to get Otani to New York uh, with the Mets in, in the offseason. But uh, that's, a, again, another conversation we'll have uh, once the offseason comes around. But I think with Scherzer in New York with the Mets, I, I, I th- honestly, I, I feel like the Mets, need, they need all the players they can get to, you know, to that wild card spot if they want to get there because clearly they're not going to win the division. Um, I, I, it's definitely the Braves division. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to have uh, Max staying in, in New York. Um, and then we'll do one or two more um, uh, before we head on to our final segment. Um, and I'm going to just randomly pick one out. Uh, why don't we go to this Padres, Josh Hader, um, reliever, <laughs> Um, there's been rumors saying that he's open to trading him. Um, and I think it would make sense for them to move him. He's an impending free agent at the end of the season. He's having a very good year, um, with the Padres and, um, 
you know, he has given up the home run ball this year. Um, and, but, you know, he's missing bats at the same time though, you know, he's, he's getting a lot of strikeouts. So, um, and, and there's a lot of rumors circulating that the Rangers might pick him up, but I, you know, they already have, you know, like you alluded to, uh, they already have a role as Chapman. Um, I could see the Phillies going after him, but I mean, there's a lot of team, you know, it would be kind of funny if the Brewers were in that list because, you know, the Brewers, however, I do think the Brewers are probably moving on towards him. I, I think it's now Devin Williams. I believe he's their new closer who used to be the sub man, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but um, yeah, I, I think hater, I think hater is going to get traded. Um, you know, where is, is just the question. Um, they had Diamondbacks as a possibility, and I do think the Diamondbacks do need a uh, – because their bullpen is kind of iffy this year, their rotation has been pretty good. You know, Gallon might win the Cy Young this year, um, you know, and they have some you – know, obviously we all know that they have a pretty impressive young lineup. But, you know what, I, I might go with the Diamondbacks just because I feel like Josh Hader, he loves – from what I've heard from different people and different other – pages um on instagram that he likes the west coast a little bit more than the east coast oh well he wasn't necessarily on the east coast but um but yeah he likes the west coast and i think he enjoyed it in san diego but i i might go with the arizona diamondbacks you know i, I think they would definitely like a closer i think they would need a closer because i know in the you know in the past they've gotten uh mark melanson who i believe he's still there um 100 sure on that but uh you know i i might have josh Hader going to arizona um, Tom, what do you think about Josh Hader? That's actually a pretty good prediction. I, I actually like that one. That's pretty good. But with Hader, yeah, he's – it would be kind of crazy if he did go back to Milwaukee because, hey, the Milwaukee Brewers, they currently lead the division. They're um, just ahead of the Cincinnati Reds, who, by the way, a couple of different media outlets had them trading off some of their guys like um, – like uh, who was it? somebody? Somebody made a wild prediction they would try and trade Joey Votto and um, a couple. Uh, Nick Senzel was another one on that list, but I don't think the Reds are going to be sellers. I think because mm. currently they have the top wild card spot, yeah. so I think they may add one or two little pieces here or there, nothing substantial, and try and bolster their bench and their depth to maybe uh, put together a playoff run. Uh, so, but I don't see Josh Hader reunion in Milwaukee because again, you made the point. You were correct. Devin Williams, who used to be Hader's setup man, is their new closer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as electric as that arm is, and I'm sure the Brewers would say, "Hey, would you like to? Come? Why don't you come back?" I don't see that happening. So, I'm, my prediction for hey, Arizona is a good one. I like that as uh, the most likely NL team that he that could I could see acquiring him. I'm going to make a crazy prediction here, and I had to check. Well, the payroll stuff, just to make sure, because Hater's making $14.1 million this year. Um, I'm going to make a crazy prediction. I would say maybe the Rays trade for him, because that's a team that just knows how to take pitchers, whether they're having good, they're doing well, or they're really struggling and just really turn them around. They just know how to do that. Kevin Cash knows how to manage his pitching staff. And I'm sure he'd love to have an electric arm, especially a lefty like Josh Hader. And looking at, and people would sound, cr- sound crazy to me, and, would, and people would probably say, why would the Rays pay, acquire a 14, uh, $14 million uh, closer? Well, currently, uh, according to Spotrack, their top uh, earner is Zach Eflin, making $11 million. So, you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing, I think, for the Rays to add another electric arm and really make some noise in the um, 
in the American League because right now they hold the top the first wild card spot. They're not they're not far behind Baltimore in the division standings, but I think they're a playoff bound team. And why not bolster their pitching staff by adding Josh Hader? So uh, mm-hmm. that's a uh, that's my bold, kind of a bold prediction when it comes to Josh Hader. Yeah, um, and then I guess this can be our final player, uh, mm-hmm. and you know there there's there's so many good players on this list. I mean, I'm looking at Lucas Giolito. I think he's mm-hmm. probably headed into the National League. I know a lot of people saying the Dodgers, um, the Giants potentially. Um, and I think I even saw one with the Brewers. Um, I, I mean, imagine, you know, having, you know, Carbon Burns, you know, th- that rotation is already pretty good. So um, I'm going to go, let's, let's go to Tim Anderson um, because I'm looking online right now at, you know, um, Yahoo Sports and fan sided. Uh, it sounds like the trade market for Tim Anderson is increasing. I think he's going to get moved. The, you know, the question is where he's going to get moved to. Um, I want to say the Giants have been rumored to be inked to him. Um, and then I believe, I, you know, I think the Brewers were apparently on that list. I don't really know why, because I feel like Adams is doing pretty well over there in Milwaukee and they have Urias and uh, I think they have a pretty solid infield. And plus they have a lot of young, bright young rookies. Um, and not to mention, they just uh, called up Sal Freelich, who, you know, he's doing very well. I'm happy for him. Um, and I think the Brewers, man, I mean, I feel like they have a lot of underrated prospects in their farm system that just come up and they just do very well. Um, and yeah, I mean, Brewers could be a possibility, but I feel like, uh, and then I think somebody said the Mariners as well. Dodgers is on there. Um, I think Tim Anderson, oh, this is a tough one. I I, I think he's going to get traded and I think it's going to be a National League team. Um, part of me says maybe maybe the Braves, but I, I don't know. Like there's just like a lot of teams that could use him. Um, but you know, I, at the same time though, a lot of those teams, they are already, they're already set in some ways they need pitching, but I don't know. I like, I guess, I'm, you know what? I might just go with the uh, Mariners, you know, because the Mariners surprisingly, the Mariners are fourth place in the division. I mean, this is a team last year. A lot of people had winning the division over the Astros and um, the Mariners are, you know, you know, it's a good thing that they're a plus 28 and run differential. That's good. Um, but on the road, they're 21, 24. Uh, I feel like they need an extra bat to kind of help them, you know, especially on the road who I feel like Tim Anderson, he can hit anywhere. And I, I think, you know, in the past, you know, a few months, I've seen some videos of, you know, mouth, you know, lip reading or whatever stuff from, uh, from Tim Anderson. It sounds like he wants to get out of Chicago because Chicago for the White Sox. Um, and of course, you know, I know with you as a White Sox fan, I know it's kind of, you know, tough to see your White Sox go down, but I feel like Tim Anderson is probably on his way out. Um, you know, the White Sox you know, are 41 and 60, um, lost three straight, not playing good baseball right now. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with, you know what, there's, so I'd say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, uh, I'm just double, I'm going to go with the Dodgers instead, just because, you know, the Dodgers, they're going to make that push. The Dodgers, they've uh, kind of not – I mean, they're still good. They're plus 106 in run differential this year, um, one of the best offenses in, offenses in baseball, and not to mention they scored, like, a crazy amount of runs over this Rangers series in Texas. Um, so I'm going to say Dodgers just because I feel like you would look well in Dodger uniform. It just makes sense. So I have Tim Anderson getting traded to the Dodgers. 
Um, and maybe it's a package. Maybe Tim Anderson and uh, Giolito go to the Dodgers for some prospects. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It has been, how do I say this? As a White Sox fan, I'm very disappointed, not just in this season, but where the rebuild that they invested a lot in has come to this. You know, they after the Cubs won in 16, the White Sox thought, because they were mediocre year after year, why don't we rebuild this, give this formula a shot with our ourselves? And it looked promising until, you know, you know, 2021, they made the 2020 and 2021 made the playoffs in back-to-back years for crazy as it is the first time in franchise history. Last year, 81 and 81, you got a new manager hoping for a new attitude, a new kind of turn things around, hopefully, and it has been nothing but that. But that's, you know, that's a whole nother, I don't want to bore our listeners with too much about where the state of the White Sox franchise. But yeah, to the point is Giolito, Tim Anderson, both are going to get moved. Both are, you know, Giolito is a solid starting pitcher who has really, has had two bad years in his career, but has rebounded both times and has resurrected himself. He is a guy you can rely on to eat up innings, give you quality starts. And Tim Anderson, he's a tricky one because he has had, you know, he's a back-to-back all-star. 2021, he was an an all-star reserve. 2022, he was a starting shortstop for the American League in the all-star game in L.A., um, he has, he dealt with an injury. He has had a, he had a horrible first half of the season. I mean, horrible. He, he doesn't even have a home run this year, but in, since post all-star break, he has a good slash line. He's been making good contact. Um, and of course the White Sox just getting swept. They're going to be sellers. So to your thing is he grew up in Georgia. He's from Georgia. He grew up a Braves fan. However, in looking at their team, they don't really need even if you play second base, they don't, you know, Orlando Arcia is having a good year. Shortstop for them and Ozzie Albies, you know, one of the best second basemen in baseball is having a good year too. So uh, they were to acquire him, he would just be a depth piece or unless one of those two that I just mentioned got hurt because people say, well, what about third base? Well, Tim Anderson can't play third base. He's not, he doesn't have that first step quickness to play third base and Austin Riley is their third baseman. Um, but um, to the to the point about the Dodgers, because I think there, this has been talked about a lot. If you're going to trip, because first of all, the Dodgers have had so much, it, it amazes me how, how, where they are, given how many pitching injuries they have. And I think the Dodgers want to trade for Giolito. And I could see them packaging Anderson in a deal to acquire both players. And the White Sox could hopefully get a good haul in prospects. Um, because, you know, currently the Dodgers shortstop is Miguel Rojas. Second base is Chris Taylor. And Tim Anderson showed he can play second base in the World Baseball Classic for Team USA. So, yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. Both go to the Dodgers in a package deal. Um, then hopefully the White Sox can get a solid yield in return. But if, for some reason, Tim Anderson doesn't get traded and that package deal doesn't fall through, either Giolito goes to the Dodgers by himself in a trade, or if you want me to give a prediction outside of that, I could see the Diamondbacks could be at some additional starters or – Crazy, crazy, my crazy pick for, for Giolito would be the Baltimore Orioles. Um, they could use some extra arms. And also one of his former good battery mates, James McCann, is the backup catcher to Adley Rushman. So reuniting those two could be a good thing. But uh, ultimately, I think the um, the Dodgers, I agree with you, the Dodgers deal goes down. And Tim Anderson and Lucas Giolito both get moved to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, I guess, you know, uh, 
in just a second, we'll move on to our last seg- segment. But there's some teams out there that are like, I'm looking at the standings, just like, man, they're teetering. Um, are they going to be selling? Pittsburgh, man, I mean, Pittsburgh, they had such a great start. A lot of people mm-hmm. thought maybe they might be a dark horse to win the division, but they've played uh, pretty bad baseball ever since, I believe, the month of June and you know, going mm-hmm. into July. They're now 43 and 56. Um, you know, it's just like I, I think they're going to be selling, which is a you know, disappointment because, you know, I was kind of rooting for Pittsburgh because I know for a lot of years they've been, you know, trying to build a winning team. And I think they're going to get better, right? I, you know, they have a bright future. Unfortunately, O'Neill Cruz got hurt. He's, you know, obviously done for the season. But um, I think, um, I think, um, I, I don't know, man. I just, I feel bad for Pittsburgh. But yeah, I think they're going to be selling. St. Louis, they're going to be selling. They won't be selling a lot. Um, so yeah, there's just there's a lot of moves that are need to be made, and it's gonna be interesting to see what moves some teams will make, and some teams you know might stay put at the deadline. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be yeah, interesting. What, oh, I'm sorry, you're just one point, and yeah, there's gonna be some stars. One, if you don't mind, there's I don't know what this team is doing, what their direction is. The Oakland A's, if they sell anything off, Brent Rooker, their lone All Star, could be the only uh, player that I could see anybody having interested. And then another White Sox I wanted to say could bring some trade value is Yasmani Grandal, catcher. I think with Jose Trevino going down uh, for the Yankees and being out the season with that uh, wrist injury, I think the Yankees could definitely be interested in acquiring an extra catcher for their roster, especially a guy more because they have Kyle uh, Igashioka, who's more of a defensive catcher. But if they want to add some more offensive power at that position, I would add Yasmani Grandal. Yeah. And I don't think the Rockies, and, you know, this is a name I, I think we forgot to mention was uh, Elias Diaz. And I know some people will thought, well, maybe he might go to the Yankees with Trevino out. But I think the Rockies are pretty much set. I mean, over the series, you know, Elias Diaz was able to, you know, get his trade stock up with that home run the other day. But I think Elias Diaz is going to stay put because I think, you know, I think we mentioned it before, but I think Elias Diaz really fits well with the Rockies pitching staff, um, you know, and I think, they want to keep him around, especially with the contract, too. He signed through, I believe, next year as well. So I, I think next year at the Rockies – well, I, I think, it, period, if the Rockies trade Diaz at any point, I think it's going to be next year um, because I think there hasn't been a lot of, like, rumors, as far as I know, of Diaz getting traded. I think it's most likely going to be next year um, for him to move if the Rockies do attend moving him. And, and not only that, but the Rockies – you know, we mentioned this before as well, that the Rockies really don't have a lot of catchers – and AAA that are ready to uh, take that next step to the big leagues that are, you know, big league ready that are showing promise. Um, I mean, there's a couple names that are, you know, exciting like Hunter Goodman. However, I think he's more of a first baseman slash DH. Um, and then there you have, you know, McIver, Willie McIver, who I'm very intrigued with. Um, he might be a possibility. And then of course you have Drew Roma, who's uh, actually has had a pretty solid second half so far with Hartford. Um, but I, I just feel like the Rockies, are just not ready to move Diaz. You know, I think if the Rockies could, they would, but I, I feel like they got to stick with Diaz for right now just because they feel like, first of all, Diaz fits very well with the pitching staff in Colorado. And not only that, but, you know, you just really don't have a lot of catching depth that are, you know, able to uh, cushion Diaz um, uh, because, again, you know, it's just like they're not there yet. Uh, they're coming, but they're not there yet. Um so that's something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. I would agree. You said it best when it comes to Diaz and also the guys, to, the catching prospects to keep an eye on. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. So to close out uh, today's podcast, we're going to quickly discuss the upcoming series 
for the Rockies. They're heading to, to Nationals Park in Washington, D.C. Um, that should be an interesting series. The Nationals are coming off of a surprising sweep, their first sweep since 2021. Uh, they swept the Giants in a three-game series. Um, I, I expect this to be a, uh, a fun series, actually. I'm really looking forward to it. And um, it's kind of funny because one Nationals fan page uh, – you know, texted me a while ago, and he said, "Is going to be the battle of the basement?" So I, I kind of laughed about that. But uh, yeah, I, man, I, I'm excited for the series. I think it's uh, definitely an opportunity for the Rockies to, you know, grab another win or two. Um, you know, however, you know, the Nationals are playing a little bit better baseball. But uh, you know, we might be. I, I honestly think that we might see our very first trade very, very soon, potentially in the next, you know, couple of days. I think the Nationals they're going to be selling. Uh, you know, a couple pieces. I think Candelario is definitely one that's going to move. Um, and who knows, he might get hot right before the deadline so he can, you know, get his trade stock up. But uh, yeah, I, I haven't really looked at the pitching uh, lineups yet for the Rockies. However, I, uh, I put on my story right before we started that uh, Jake Bird, I believe, is pitching tomorrow, um, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. And it's going to be another bullpen day because I think the Rockies are trying to. Uh, that is correct. Yeah, Jake Bird is starting tomorrow. Uh, for game one, because I think the Rockies are trying to uh, build up pitches for Chris Flexen, who is in AAA right now. I do expect him to be called up uh, very, very soon to the rotation. Um, Kyle Freeland is uh, going to be returning. So, um, so yeah, Jake Bird will get game one. Um, right now, it's uh, not available for whoever is going to be pitching for the, for the uh, Nationals uh, tomorrow. Uh, game two for the Rockies will be Austin Gomber. He's been pitching actually pretty well in the second half of the season. Um, he's eight and eight with a six point one eight ERA. So uh, you know that will be interesting to see from Austin Gomber. And again, the, both those games will be at five o five p.m. Mountain Time. So uh, that would be seven o five Eastern Time. And then uh, the last game of the road trip um, and of the three game series in Washington. Uh, let me pull that up here. Um, I believe it's going to be Peter Lambert getting that start um, in the uh, ten a.m mountain time game for the Rockies. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's some games here that the Rockies, I think, can definitely win. Um, game one might be a little bit, again, a little bit more difficult for the Rockies just because it's a bullpen game. However, you know, so far in the second half, we've seen the Rockies actually do quite well in bullpen games. And, you know, the Rockies are 5-3 and three out of the All-Star break. So, you know, there's some opportunity here for the Rockies to grab up some wins. And, I, you know, I feel like the Nationals are kind of like where the Rockies are right now. You know, they are kind of both struggling pitching-wise and you know, they have some injuries on their roster, but uh, they have some bright young players. Um, yeah. No, I uh, like the uh, the battle of the bases. That's uh, kind of funny because uh, the Nationals and the Rockies, as we uh, record this, are both have the uh, two worst records in the National League. So yeah, that's kind of one we can chuckle at. But no, both teams have promised have very promising young rosters. To your point, I do. I am looking forward to see how if Gomber can continue his solid stretch of good of quality starts or, you know, solid starts last out when it wasn't a quality start by a statistical standpoint, but, and then also I wanted really want to, I'm intrigued to see how Peter Lambert does in game three uh, with another start coming off a good start in Miami. And then, yeah, the probables are not listed for the nationals just yet, but they have a talented young team. You know, I'm excited particularly to see two, if he pitches Mackenzie Gore, who was one of the headlining prospects of the Juan Soto trade, and then also uh, C.J. Abram, Ab- sorry C.J. Abrams, who was who's a shortstop, the other uh, premier prospect from the Juan Soto trade. I'm definitely looking if 
Gore pitches, I'm looking to see how he does. And then Abrams, I'm looking to see how he plays in this series. Uh, but definitely, yeah, it's like I said, like we've talked about, the Rockies are riding some good momentum out of the All-Star break. And this is the first non-playoff team that they'll that they'll face out of the All-Star break. So I'm intrigued to see how this, uh, how this one shakes out. Definitely an opportunity for the Rockies. And of course, we'll see how things shake up as the trade deadline approaches uh, within the next few days. Yeah, and according to uh, – I'm looking at the past couple days for the Nationals. I think uh, uh, Gore pitched today, and then uh, the day before, uh, I think uh, – who pitched? I think it was uh, Josiah Gray, who has had a pretty solid season. Um, I think he's going to be a very good pitcher for them. So, yeah, the Rockies might be getting Patrick Corbin, who is actually – the Rockies have actually hit pretty well off of, especially recently. Um, so – yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of opportunities here for the Rockies, especially the young players, you know, because I think most likely I would ex- assume that Chris Bryant and CJ Crone will be out tomorrow as well, just to, as a precaution. But, you know, they might be back, um, you know, potentially in game two. We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the Nationals, you know, like the Rockies, are in rebuild mode. And um, I think it's it's actually might be exciting, even though a lot of people might think that this is going to be a terrible series to watch. I think it might be interesting because, you know, you're taking a look at two, two uh, generally uh, young teams here. Um, Keeper Ruiz, I think he, he's a bright young player. I think a lot of people should be looking at as well. Uh, came over from the Dodgers uh, back in 2021. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the series. And then, of course, the Rockies, uh, of course, we'll mention this uh, later on. Um, in another podcast, but the Rockies are going to be uh, hosting the Athletics uh, when the Rockies come back to Coors Field after this national series. So, yeah, I mean, you're coming up on a couple series. I mean, you have some easy teams, potentially easy wins for the Rockies. You know, the Rockies, in my opinion, are not super terrible to the point where it's like, you know, they're not going to win at all. I think there's definitely some wins here against the Nationals. There's definitely some wins, uh, you know, against the Athletics at Coors Field because, you know, Oakland, you know, I feel bad for the fan base. I feel bad for the organization in general. Um, I personally believe that they should stay in Oakland, um, you know, and hopefully they do. But, uh, yeah, I, there's definitely an opportunity there for the Rockies to pick up some wins. But I, I think at, the, at, at this point, with the trade deadline coming up, I think you've got to start focusing more on the younger side of the roster and start making moves, and hopefully they do that. But, uh, who knows? you know, I, I wouldn't be upset if the Rockies, you know, play some of their older guys in this national series one last time to kind of up the trade value. And they, and I think they will do that. Um, but if they make some trades, that's, that's awesome. man. I'm excited to see what, you know, younger players are going to perform for the Rockies. I think Tovar is going to be, you know, like I mentioned, I think he's going to be a future all-star someday, a future gold glover. Uh, Nolan Jones is very intriguing. I think he's going to be a big part of this team. Brenton Doyle, even though he has struggled recently defensively, he's one of the best defensive guys in the outfield and baseball. And, and then Michael Tolia, I think he has a chance to be a very good first baseman, uh, especially, you know, that play yesterday was pretty incredible, you know, in the ninth inning, uh, robbing a base hit there. But, uh, yeah, um, a lot of exciting stuff coming up for the Rockies, so uh, that's something to keep an eye on. So, uh, anyway, folks, that will do it for today's podcast. Um, once again, thank you, Tom, for coming on, on board, and uh, we're hoping to do another one very, very soon. Uh, we're kind of thinking of probably doing it right before the A series. We'll have to wait and see. I'm not sure if we get a day off or not, but, uh, uh, but yeah, Tom, thanks for coming on board and uh, talking about the Rockies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been great. I love, always love talking Rockies baseball and uh, we'll see how things shape up in the next coming days as we approach the trip. That'll do folks. Thank you for listening. Go Rockies.